House of Cards Season 3, Episode 7, Chapter 33 is over. But we're just getting started here on House of Cards, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who just renewed our podcast vows to each other. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Zach Brooks. Zach, how are you? Rob, I'm coming to you from a month later. <laughs> Wait. My hair is a different color. Everything's great. <laughs> it's white. It's great. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What a episode. I love the structure. This was cool. You like I haven't this. seen anything like this. You like yeah. this. This was like um, interesting. And I think we're going to talk about the way that they did this probably just as much as what happened here in this episode. A unique episode here in House of Cards. A new style introduced here where we're seeing scenes into the future cutting back into the past. And I know I certainly was confused because we saw almost like shades of the season three finale of Lost where it's like we cut from Claire on the plane and I'm like, is she dreaming? Is this a memory? Is this a flash forward? And I was very confused as to what was going on when. Yeah, I that first scene, I thought maybe it was a dream because they were both in white. It was very, you know, I've touched on the white and black a lot throughout the season, but it was it was very dreamlike that first scene. Um, so I thought maybe it was going to end up being a dream. And uh, no, it was a month in the future. Yeah. Was it a month or was it two months in the future? It was one month in the future, I, okay. I believe. That's what I wrote down. See, the thing that th- threw me off was because when Yates talks to the other reporter, Kate, she says, we've been flying on the same jet for two months and you finally talked to me. And I felt like that he just started in the episode where he got hired and then it's been two months since then. So hard to, something somewhere in between a month and two months. Yeah, I mean, they definitely stressed that like the monks were going to take a month to finish their art and... Um, they referenced a month a, a number of times. Okay. So. so basically this was, we were making up for, usually we skip a month between episodes. The last two episodes were sort of like in the same time period before this. So we had to like make up a month here in this episode. Yeah. It, it reminded me, there's a couple of episodes of Alias that are like this, mm-hmm. um, where they, where they jump back a, a day or two, not a month, but it's cool. It's cool to see where you're going and then. And the big, all right, when is Claire going to dye her hair? When is, you know, when are they going to announce they're renewing their vows? Things like that. Okay. So this is the House of Cards post show recap. Of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes at postshowrecaps.com slash H O C iTunes. And yeah, the structure is, is really, really interesting. Did you feel like in any way that this made the episode anticlimactic, that we knew where it was going to end up going, and that? Even in the midst of Frank and Claire fighting, we were still like, yeah, but they'll be fine. Yeah, but I also thought maybe that this is just a publicity thing. I mean, they were they were taking pictures. There was all the press there. So it was clearly you know something they were doing to, to make sure people knew about it. So there was still suspenses to are they just doing this because they got in like a public fight or are they doing this because they actually want to renew their vows and, and make up with each other? See, I almost feel like the show was like, not letting us have to worry about Frank and Claire. I almost felt like that we, the viewers were like the kids and Frank and Claire were like the parents, like, and like the show was like, don't worry. No, 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 no. Mommy and daddy aren't getting divorced. Everything's okay. Everything's good. Look, looking ahead into the future. You'll see they're going to renew the vow. So just don't worry while they're fighting because I don't know about you, but I felt like I would have liked to have seen the fight between Frank and Claire go somewhere a little bit more. I almost feel like it was like the middle of the season and they needed a beat. And it was like, okay, well, why don't we have Frank and Claire go after each other and fight with each other? 
And now I almost feel like that's over and behind us now. And it was just sort of to kill time because of, you know, whatever else is going on didn't have anything else happening at this moment. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because what I expected coming into this episode was that, you know, we hit that peak of the big fight on Air Force One at the end of the last episode. And then you would think it's all down from there and you just see them just falling into a, a bigger fight and, and really going after each other. But instead of being going down from that peak, you just kind of stayed level and, and things just kind of stayed steady and then went, got better. Yeah. So you, in, instead of what you would normally see, which is their their relationship getting worse and worse and worse, you just see it. You see the repair of the relationship. Yeah. So I was sort of just left with like, what's the point of this whole fight? Like it was like we introduced this whole thing to happen for Frank and Claire to fight and then an episode later, everything is fine and they're made up. And I know things weren't great beforehand, but I almost felt like, you know, I was expecting things to really like crater out. And I feel like that didn't really happen. So one thought that I had on that is that um, the F- the episode ends with Claire spooning Frank and she's the big spoon on Frank in a very in a very controlling position. So was this Claire retaking control from Frank of their power? Hmm. Yeah, Frank gave in to Claire with the the money to go um, to go to Israel, and, and there are some other points in this episode where where Frank really makes the concessions versus versus Claire's got a new haircut, she's um, she's got a lot more power, a lot more confidence. So Claire is really rising. Yeah, Frank was the one that came back and apologized to her. That's a classic sign of who has the least hand in the relationship. I was just going to bring up hand. Yeah. I always ever every fight between my wife and I ends with me apologizing. I, I don't think there's ever been a fight that has ever ended with my wife saying, you know what? I think I was wrong about this. Uh, I think you were right. Um, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And then you become the little spoon and she's the big spoon around you. <laughs> no, that hasn't happened yet. But <laughs> but I do feel like that's a good tell of that. You could tell who, who has the most power in any relationship by, you know, who's the one that always has to apologize. Yeah. And I mean, we're seeing throughout this episode, I really I noted that we're seeing a very different Frank the last few episodes. He's much more timid. He's he just doesn't seem like he he seems like he's a lot more introspective. He doesn't seem like he's as conniving and and devious as what we're used to. Interesting. And I went back through my notes because I was trying to figure out, like, where did this start? Because I was thinking maybe this started when he shattered the Jesus statue. Do you think he's lost his power? He's lost his mojo? I don't know, because I mean, after that, like, what has he done that's really been, you know, they were in Russia and he didn't really do anything crazy in Russia. And the, the episode before that was when we had the jobs plan, uh, the America Works plan introduced. But I don't remember him doing anything super devious in that episode either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, did we did Frank change as a result of breaking the Jesus? Interesting. And you think change for the better? Like he got cursed with like being like having a heart like I mean, changed for the better for humanity, maybe, but not for the better for Frank or for um, for our entertainment. I mean, it's, Frank is a lot more fun when he's, you know, plotting and scheming and and being being Frank. I guess we did. You know, we just saw the fight. But yeah, I mean, we're just not seeing we're not seeing the classic Frank Underwood the last couple episodes. Zach, talk to me about the monks. What is the meaning of the monks? So, I mean, that was really interesting. I thought for one, it was a great device to show uh, the passage of time at the beginning of the episode, they said the monks are going to be working on this art and it's going to take a month and they're going to be here for a month. And that was, I mean, that is some serious dedication. I don't think I could do that. Sit yeah. there and, and shave, shave sand into a, into art. So you're saying the Tibetan monks have way more patience than you do. 
Yeah, they're a little bit more patient. I don't think they're like constantly checking Twitter on their phone or like <laughs> listening to a podcast while watching TV. And yeah, it's like, uh, how can I? I can't drive anywhere because I don't have anything to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, let me watch this on my TV while I'm doing something on my iPad and on my phone. Yes. Yes. So, so I, I'm too ADD to be a monk for sure. Yeah, that was impressive. Now, the, when they end up destroying the art afterwards, uh, which also seems very frustrating. What do they do? They just put it like in an urn and they dumped it in the river. I I was like, when they did that, I was like, no, don't do that. You just spent the entire month. Yeah, I thought that, that they were going to like put it in an urn and like present it to like Frank and Claire. And it's like, see, now all the art is in one thing. But then they just like dumped it in the river. Yeah. I mean, that was interesting because it was, you know, does that art represent Frank and all of the manipulation and work he's done over this time and all the little things he's done to get to where he is? And then it just gets wiped away in a second. But they take a picture of it and the picture preserves what it looks like. Hmm. That's interesting that we have a theme, I think, between pictures and statues and monuments and art between we had Frank and Claire pose for a picture for their preserved picture. I don't know if this has been seen in a lot of other episodes, but I felt like we really saw a couple like I saw the Clinton photo. I saw like George Washington and also... Uh, I think it was Abraham Lincoln uh, hanging up. We saw their paint, their portraits, which I really hadn't paid too much attention to previously, but I guess because uh, they posed for the portrait in this episode. Uh, and then, of course, this artwork that we have with the Tibetan monks and, of course, the uh, FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt monuments that Frank went to. Yeah, um, I definitely noticed that in this episode as well. So I don't think it's just you. Like I noticed all of those pictures. And I was like, huh, I mean, I guess those have always been there, but they're very prominent in the scene. Yes. And the difference is all of those presidents is just a solo portrait that we see of all of them. But the picture that Frank takes is Frank and Claire in the picture together. It's interesting. Is that showing, you know, they're sharing the power. She's I mean, she's taking the power, maybe, you know, but she's sitting and he's standing. Yeah, but he goes to touch her and he has to pull his hand away. She recoiled. Yeah. No matter what she says, she did. I saw it. I saw it, too. I saw it, too. She's a damn liar. Claire Underwood. So I feel like that this is tying into a theme of the whole season in that, you know, it's all about the legacy. I guess the legacy is captured in the photo. I think that that's a really good tie. And I feel like it's not so much the photo, but they only care about your photo if you have a legacy. Hmm. It's not so much that you took a photo, uh, but I think it's sort of like what you did that that is good. And then you take the photo because uh, the stuff could all be gone, but people st- like uh, almost like with uh, the Social Security thing where it's like they worked 80 years on Social Security and Frank is just like wiping it away. But we're still talking about how great it is. It doesn't take away from FDR's legacy that it's not going to be there anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, that the Social Security, that's a really good tie. I hadn't actually put that together, but yeah, yeah. I mean, just like, the, you know, they worked 80 years on Social Security and they wipe it away like the art. Are you surprised there wasn't more of a backlash against wiping out Social Security? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. People seem really behind it, I guess, because people have jobs and the dry cleaners is running well and the daycare is running well. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to see a meet the press with Chuck Todd. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. Yeah. And one of the Democrat now the Democratic and the Republican people that were on meet the press, were they real uh, Congress people? I don't think so. Yeah. I didn't recognize them. Yeah. Um, but the guy said on the show, he's like, hey, I'm no fan of Frank Underwood, but America works, works. And that it was exactly what they were going for with that name, right? That they wanted that. They want people saying that. They want it to be as confusing of a name as possible. Yeah. Wait, America works. Oh, okay. I get it. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> they were going to call it America is doing it. 
Uh, and then they were going to say, America is doing it, is doing it. <laughs> oh, Fantastic. man. It's a little wordy. It's hard for a t-shirt. It definitely is. I think Stephen Colbert had the right idea to make fun of America Works as, as the name. Yeah. So, Zach, this has been your thing all season long. The white and the black, the light and the dark. Claire Underwood changes her hair from the platinum blonde it's been all the way through three seasons of this show to be a brunette now. What are your thoughts on the meaning of the new haircut and new color for Claire Underwood? I firmly think after this episode, Claire has complete power and, and the, the black hair represents the power. Um, and, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to really kind of go back and yeah, the black egg and see if the black egg kind of ties in. Yes. Um, does that make her an egghead? I don't know. <laughs> Is it true that the black egg was dyed black and that's what they used to uh, color her hair? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she could have done like a blue or a, like a light teal. Sure, sure. An aquamarine. So if you feel like Claire Underwood has the power now, uh, I mean, where do we go from here? Claire is going to pass this, uh, this resolution in the United Nations, and yeah. she's going to get all the credit for passing it, even though Frank really did a lot of the behind-the-scenes work for it. Hmm, interesting. A real shift, I think. Um, I thought Frank's light white suit was also really lame also. Yeah, he. I mean, I guess that was probably what they were going for, but I was like, yeah, I don't know if you should be wearing that. It doesn't look very good. I don't know about that. Okay, so you think Claire Underwood is up. She is the winner after all this. Uh, you know, Frank basically came back and it was almost like a surrender, you feel like. Yeah, I mean, are we going to start seeing Claire telling Frank policies to pass as the president and things that she wants him to do and him being almost like a figurehead? and working on, on what she tells him to do. But does she really have that many good ideas? Uh, I mean, I think she could come up with them. I haven't heard her say anything, but I mean, before Frank was president, did we really hear any good ideas from Frank? <laughs> yes. Yes, there's lots of good ideas. Okay. Um, how about when we had like the chiefs of staff together and Frank and Claire fight in front of everybody? That was awkward. Yes. It was like the... Uh, like the dinner scene, my favorite scene probably ever in Breaking Bad was the the dinner scene with uh, when Jesse comes over and is in the Skyler and Frank or Skyler and Walter uh, fight. Yes, yeah, that's worth watching all of Breaking Bad just for that scene. What does Frank say to Claire in front of everybody? Oh, I, I don't know. Do you have it written down? Um, he basically says that she came here and you know she was calling her. She, he said all she brought to the table is her immaturity. I think was one of the things he said. <laughs> Oh That's man, That's tough stuff to say to anybody, let alone your wife in front of everybody. Like everybody had to walk out of that room like awkward. Yeah, I mean he really he really went after her for sure. Yeah, and so I, I really feel like though, had they not given us the flash forward, I feel like that those scenes would have been more impactful. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that, that, that definitely like I watched it and I was like, I think that's probably why I don't even have it written down because I was like, oh yeah, like he's just going to say something to her and then they'll be fine, whatever. Yeah, so it's a good point. So I don't know. I, I feel like I liked the idea and I like that they took the risk of doing that. And I feel like it could make for some excitement in the future. Like, I feel like now we can flash forward to the Iowa caucus and come back and then see what's going on now. Um, I think that might be interesting if we do this more. But I just feel like for this particular episode where it was all going to wrap up in one episode, I felt like it made it somewhat of less exciting the journey because we knew how it was going to end. So do you think this is like a going to be a shift and we're going to actually start seeing this as a format for this show moving forward? No, I don't think that we'll go back to it again, but it's nice to know that we can if they want to. 
Yeah, that would be that would be interesting to see. And it it's also they pulled this pretty much at the halfway point of the season. I mean, we're we're about sixty percent of the way done now. We're yeah. just over halfway. Yeah. No, this episode is uh now we are on the back half. Yeah. Seven down, six to go. Oh, sucks. I know. And then it'll be another year. Yeah. Anyway, so let's just talk about the FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt stuff. Um, any big takeaways for you of Frank going out to the FDR site? I know there was very uh, heavy handed, all the stuff with the FDR monument. Um, I really like that. And I was thinking, like, I need to go check out the FDR monument. I've never been there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm going to put that on my weekend list, maybe. Yeah. I had my bachelor party there. Oh, you did? Yes. <laughs> Sounds crazy. It was. It was. <laughs> that, uh, it was very exciting. It was, a, it was a whole new deal. FDR bachelor party. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you catch what it said on the on the plaque that they they sat at for about ten seconds? Uh, give it to me. So it was it was something along the lines of not not it's not about adding to those with abundance, but giving some to those with too little. Yeah. And so it really kind of represents um, all of the things that Frank is cutting, you know, all of the entitlements that Frank is cutting. Yeah. Or it could represent the America works, and it's and it's giving jobs to those who don't have them. Yeah. Frank is, uh, he is a giver. Yeah. And, and do you think there's a tie between Franklin Roosevelt and Frank Underwood? Like the names are so similar or that just no, a coincidence? No, no, I don't think so. I, I just think that there's a tie between, you know, um, you know, FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, I think going back to that, they're both were powerful people, um, but yet their monuments aren't next to each other. So, I think that uh, there's a lot to play with with that, that that comparison to the Underwoods. Yeah. So I think that that's probably what they were going for. Yeah. And, and he's at a monument. He's at a legacy for somebody who he's about to get rid of all they worked for. I mean, yeah. one of their big things that they worked for. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go from the Underwoods and let's talk about Frank's relationship with the novelist, Thomas Yates. Um, he had a lot to do with Frank. Uh, in this episode, obviously, he follows Frank uh, back to his hometown for the renewal ceremony. Um, but we also see him at the White House uh, a bit. And we see him, you know, getting drunk with Frank. Uh, and we see Frank have a particularly interesting conversation with Yates. And then also Yates makes a new friend in the reporter uh, in Kate. Yeah. So, you know, probably my favorite I guess you'd call it an Easter egg in this episode was when uh, Yates and Frank are getting drunk together at the white house. And Frank says, you know, the last time I was this drunk was in college and, and Yates says, Oh, the Sentinel. And and Frank starts talking about that. And Yates goes, that's in chapter eight. So what did I do? I went and I checked house of cards, chapter eight. And that was the episode where Frank goes to the Sentinel. Uh, So pretty cool Easter egg. Yes. But where I thought this was all going is that it was going to be talking about because the way it was set up was Yates was like, you know, you haven't been honest with me since that night that we were at the White House and they cut to them drinking. And Frank said what what exactly he said was, um, you know, it's not exactly. But what he did say was like, I haven't been this drunk since I was back at my alma mater and broke into the library. And of course, we know what happened when he broke into the library, uh, that he had a little bit of a fling with his old college buddy. Yeah. And again, I thought thought we were going to get that him telling that story as well. Yeah. Uh, Again, we have another sort of tie back to this. 
And I thought that Frank was going to be so drunk. He was like, let me tell you about the time I made out with my friend in college. (laughs) (laughs) College is crazy. Yeah. Didn't you think that we were going to get that coming out literally and figuratively? They kind of, uh, they kind of did, did hint at that where he's, you know, when he says this, you know, you've only been honest with me that one time. Um, Or, you know, I also was wondering, are we going to see some uh, freights? Yeah. Frank and Frank and Yates together. Um, yeah, I thought that that was a possibility also. They but, were sitting on the couch pretty close, drinking. You know, you never know. Yeah. But Frank uh, ends up opening up to uh, Yates and he's like, they're drinking. But then Claire is like, could you guys keep it down in there? <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah. She's so annoyed. Yeah. She's like, You're embarrassing me. Yes. He was very uh, he was very upset. And they had to go into the other room. And they're playing some video game on the computer, and and I didn't really catch what it was, but it looks it, terrible. Yeah, well, and it was looked like it was impossible to win because if you followed the rules, it created chaos and made it impossible to win. And, and if you don't follow the rules, it sends you back to the start. Yeah, I don't know if there's more there about that game or, or what that was, yeah, but well, that didn't look very fun. Well, Frank was like, "Sounds like my life." So yeah. I feel like if it was not like if it was like some sort of like a prophecy. Or sort of like talking about what was going on. I feel like they wouldn't call it out as much on the nose. Mm-hmm. I felt I almost feel like it was an, an opportunity for Frank to say that line. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe there's about to be some chaos that, you know, like there's always chaos that Frank is dealing with and, and he's kind of putting out fires. Maybe we're going to see some more chaos. <laughs> okay. All right. So in the end of the episode, we end up having where Yates opens up to Frank and says that he actually didn't write his own book. And that he, somebody else wrote it, the guy who committed suicide, but then Yates wrote the ending. Are you buying what Yates is saying? Or is he giving Frank a bill of goods, telling him a story to get him to open up more? So this I thought was really, really interesting because Taz said that his Frank had committed suicide, but then says he talked to his friend in the hospital right before he died. So I felt like that was a hole in his story. Hmm. I mean, unless the guy like, tried to kill himself, survived, but then died from complications in the hospital. Yeah. So do you think that this is going to the place where Frank is telling Yates everything, Yates is writing the book, and then Yates is going to become, you know, either involved romantically or professionally with Kate, and then uh, all the stuff is going to end up in some other book about the president or in the newspaper? Yeah. I, I, I do not trust Yates at all. I think there's there's something devious going on there. Yeah. Um, and, and one tie that I that I made was in the beginning of the episode, Claire receives some tulips and it says it's from Jonathan, who, of course, is is Michael's Michael's husband um, or right. Michael's widow, I guess. And she, she received the tulips and she says, how did he know I like tulips? And then we see back in Gaffney, Frank is showing Yates around the house and says, oh, Claire p- planted these tulips. Um, and so I wonder, did Yates actually send those flowers to Claire? Yeah, but he's trying to drive a stake between them. That's interesting. The timeline doesn't really uh, add up, though, I feel like. Well, she received the flowers in the future, in the the future where she has the darker hair after she got back from Gaffney. Well, no, I thought that she has the darker hair by the time they renew their vows in Gaffney. Right. She has the darker hair in the, the like one month later. She has the darker hair. Right. And then I think that scene where she received the tulips actually happened after they got back from Gaffney. Interesting. So that scene was further in the future than the uh, marriage vow renewals? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Um, I don't know what he gets out of that. I mean, is he trying to draw, you know, is he, is he see there's already problems between them? He thinks maybe it'd be more interesting if he could get them to have further problems. Is he interested in Claire? I don't know. But 
I, I just, it seemed really weird that they would have that line where she says, how did he know I like tulips? And then we never go back to the tulips except when they're outside of her house. Yeah. And so you feel like maybe Yates, like he said all along, like I'm not into this whole propaganda thing. And so you think he's just using uh, Frank? Yeah. And the other thing is that he knew about their fight, even though Claire told him to go away. So he disobeyed her and listened to their fight hmm. on air, the big fight on Air Force One. Yeah. Interesting. He knows too much. And so, you know, Yates further disobeyed them when he listened to their fight. And he told Frank that he had heard their fight on Air Force One. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, Claire had told him to go away and he he didn't listen to them. He, he listened to their fight. And uh, I don't I don't know. I think there's something else going on with Yates. It's going to be really fun to watch these next couple episodes. Yeah, I think Yates is a candidate for my top five people that are going to die by the end of season three. Really? Oh, I don't I don't think he's going to die. Yeah, I think he could be up to no good. He's going to get caught. You think Frank's going to push him in front of a metro? Yeah, that's his move with these journalists, these reporters. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know. We'll see. All right. We have something else very important to talk about in this episode. Oh, man. Doug and the physical therapist. <laughs> they what got physical. the hell happened here? Oh, man. Doug got some action. It was awesome. Yeah. Good for Doug. How about that? Did not see that coming. Uh, I mean, there was like definitely they hinted at some sexual tension between them. Yeah. Oh, I have a theory on this. All right. Um, I have a theory that the physical therapist is not who she seems to be. Hmm. Because this doesn't make any sense why this woman would be throwing herself at Doug. I don't know. Well, okay. Of course, now we know that Doug has a soft spot for uh, the women who like to get paid for it. Okay. Do you think potentially that Frank Underwood could have had the massage therapist, physical therapist on the payroll? I don't think so. I don't think Frank cares about Doug anymore. I thought you like conspiracy theories, Zach. I do if they're right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But I will say one of the big holes in her story is that she's moving to Seattle tomorrow Mm -hmm. and nothing in her apartment is packed up. Yes. Yeah. The story doesn't make any sense. And but you know what also doesn't make sense? What's that? That she wants to hook up with Doug. (laughs) We've seen this man naked. (laughs) It's like like she had a whole party full of like young, attractive people. (laughs) Yeah, that's. I don't know. I mean, Florence Nightingale, right? Isn't that a thing where like you're the nurse of somebody and and like it happened in uh, Back to the Future? Is that what happened? Yeah, I think that's what Doc said. He said it's the Florence Nightingale syndrome. Yes. So is that what happened where um, Doug thought that this was Rachel's house and he was like watching her with binoculars and he fell out of a tree and then that's why he needed <laughs> physical therapy? It was an addition. That's why he needed a cane. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got a cane. Uh, I mean, like uh, on his best day, Doug, I mean, is, uh, you know, not exactly going to be, you know, he's no Remy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so I don't know. I don't know. I'm not seeing I'm not seeing this. I don't know. I mean, she's moving to Seattle. So we'll find out pretty shortly if she actually goes to Seattle. I mean, what do you think? So she was paid to hook up with Doug. I don't know. It's also a thing where it's like. It's like, oh, I would stay and be your girlfriend, but I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm never going to see you again. Like, it's like, good. She's like, okay, let me like do what I need to do with this guy and then get out of here. Although she's not really pressing him for any information other than trying to keep tabs on him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What's her end game? Yeah. What is this story going? Does the story end up going where um, does Doug want to run away with her? Does she not want to leave? Does does Doug put a hit on Rachel and then somebody <laughs> mistakes this girl for Rachel. Yes, that would. I hope that's what happens. That'd yes. be amazing. 
<laughs> like, no, you idiot. You killed the wrong person. I didn't think she looked like Rachel as much at the party as she did during physical therapy. Yeah. I don't know if that was intentional because Doug gets there and he's like, I should leave. And I was like, oh yeah, he's a recovering alcoholic. Going to a party is probably not yeah, the best I should move. leave or I'll be the last one here. Yeah, I'll do the dishes. Yeah. Did anybody have the bourbon syringe ready to go? Is that like a syringe guy walking around like the guy with the funnel at the party? Like, hey, hey who <laughs> like wants the shot 30 girls? cc's? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been, he should have done like a beer bong. It would have been really close to the syringe. Yeah. So there you have it. Doug is hooking up. Yeah. It looks like a fun party. I should go and try to find that after I'm done with the FDR memorial. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we did at my bachelor party. Oh, yeah? Yes. You did. <laughs> See, first you went to the FDR memorial and you partied really hard there. And then you went to some physical therapist uh, yes. house and partied hard there. Yes. She has yes. a nice place for a physical therapist. Yes. And then we went to Freddy's when, while it was still open. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you should have invited me. I would have come. Yeah. <laughs> I live right here. I know. I'm sorry. Anyway, oh, so let's talk about Doug and Gavin now, because Gavin is getting closer to Rachel. Where is she? Where's Rachel? She's in Santa Fe. Santa Fe. I was going to say El Paso. Yeah, close. Close enough. Close enough. Yeah. Okay. So Rachel is in Santa Fe and we're, we're closing in on her. Gavin's got photos. But, but Doug needs the exact location. Why? That photos aren't going to do it. What is he going to do? He's going to watch her on, on the live feed. I don't know. <laughs> He's like, I need to know exactly where she is because I need to know how Tale of Two Cities ends. I can't read. <laughs> He'd get the audio book. Yeah, that's, it's, that would be good. And he's making enough money from Dunbar. Yeah. All right. But here's what I want to know. Gavin's whole thing is that he wants this passport, the whole taken off his passport. Does Doug have any authority whatsoever to do what he's telling Gavin that he will do for him. I do not think at all. I think Doug is completely lying to him. Yes. I mean, is Doug putting all of his eggs in that the Dunbar will be president uh, basket that, that he will one day have power again? First order of business, remove a passport hold on this hacker. Yeah. That goes over. Now, Gavin is pretty screwed here. Yeah. I think he's starting to realize that, too. Yes. And he's like, I've done horrible things. So at least he admits that like lying about having AIDS is a horrible thing. So he has a heart. Yes. Is Gavin on your list of people that will die by the end of season three? Hmm. I think Gavin is probably, you know, more likely than Yates to die. Yeah. I feel like Doug might need to kill Gavin. Then this is going to come to a head. Like, it, I don't know. This, this whole thing is something's got to happen with us. I'm kind of sick of the wheels spinning on, on this storyline. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Yeah. Somebody from the Doug, Gavin, Rachel triangle must die. And maybe two out of the three. Yeah. And <laughs> and maybe it'll be the physical therapist and she'll kill all three of them. Yes. Or it'll be they'll try to kill Rachel, but they kill the physical therapist and then Doug is upset. And so he gets <laughs> you're, re- you're really you're really buying into that yes. theory, huh? Yes. It, it has to make sense. Yeah. Okay. What do you think of Doug's new physical therapist? therapist maurice i don't think that doug was happy about that no i would i'd be like wait so some guy is gonna be give me physical therapy that now? was a downgrade yeah downgrade for doug uh anything else from this episode um i think we pretty much about the jordan valley stuff yeah i guess we should yeah we should talk about that and oh and we had, we got a little meacham in this episode too Meacham actually got a line yes uh meacham's been very underserved this season yeah, but he, he, did you see when he walked up to, to Claire's house and he told Frank he had to go and he just like had this power pose with the big aviator sunglasses on? Yeah. I just wrote down Meacham. Good job. 
Good job, Meacham. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, let's talk about what, what was going on here with... Uh, so Israel trying to uh, pull a fast one on the Underwood administration. They're going to pay $30 million to Zimbabwe uh, to add a resol- part of this uh, resolution that Africa is going to control the forces. You could just do that. You could just say like, uh, and I vote that we control everything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand exactly how that works. I guess they just have oversight. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, a lot of that is I just kind of yada yada. A lot of that. I was like, okay, like this is where the alliances are and like not getting too in the, like how would it actually work? Yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> with all of this, uh, Frank ends up having to give in to give $80 million to Zimbabwe. Oh man. Yes. No deal. <laughs> yeah. No, they do it. They do it. Where's the 80 million? Where's this money coming from? He's already spending all this money to get, you know, he took all the FEMA money to get the jobs and, and now he just has, has $80 million and gives Zimbabwe. Well, you know, the thing about the government is that they could just print the money if they really need it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> what did you think of Claire's uh, scene with the ambassador to Israel? Power scene. Yeah, was great. Uh, she might as well just peed right in front of her. She laid the smack down. Yes, she really did. And yeah. uh, the ambassador for Israel says, uh, I feel sorry for you. I mean, that's nice of her, I guess. She she says that Frank is going to turn her his back on her just like he did on the country. Yes, or like she he says will on the country. Frank is the bravest man. Yeah. And, and so now we get this this theme again with bravery and who's what's actually brave. Speaking up, keeping your mouth shut or fighting is the third one now. Yeah. So uh, Caspi is the name of the Israeli um, ambassador. Yes. Is Frank brave? I, I'm, I'm starting to think less and less so lately, but I don't know. I mean, I like, I think everybody's brave in their own way. Everybody, not everybody. I think we're pretty brave. We're, we're spouting our, our opinions on the internet. Yeah. For free. <laughs> a lot of people do that. That's true. But yeah. it takes a lot of bravery to, to speak up. Let's get into the email. And of course you can send in your emails at House of Cards at Post Show Recaps. You can go ahead and send us an email. Put in the chapter title into the subject line so we know which episode you're talking about. Let's start with Johnny DeSilvera. Johnny wants to know how many more episodes until Doug finds Rachel. The way the writers are building the tension up, I can't see Rachel surviving this season. What do you think? Ugh, you're making me. You're making me guess on this again and be wrong. How many more episodes? There's six episodes left this season. What, uh, do you agree? One hundred percent, without a doubt. We see Rachel before the end of season three. Yes. Okay. So how many more episodes until we see her? I think two. Okay. I think the next episode, I think we've kind of been going like away from the Doug storyline every other episode. So I don't think we get any Doug next episode. And then the episode after that, we really dive into this Rachel thing. Yeah. I think it's the cliffhanger at the end of not this episode, the one after. That he finds her at the end of the episode. Yeah. And it's like, hello, Rachel. They don't really do cliffhangers on this show, though. That's true. I mean, they, they usually just like tie things up with like, it's sort of ominous, but um, yes. do you think we're going to see more of the physical therapist in yes. Seattle? Maybe. Yes. Campaign style is Seattle. Not too far from Iowa. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, yeah, maybe we could see Doug has to go there for like Dunbar business. Wait, Seattle's not too far from Iowa. Is that what you said? Yeah. Is it far? I think it's kind of far. How it's far like halfway is- across the country. Is it? Yeah, the, the, I mean, you live on the West Coast. Seattle is way out there, and I was in the middle of the country. I was in the middle. I thought it was more in the uh, towards you're the thinking of, You're thinking of Idaho. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry to all of our listeners in uh, Iowa and Idaho. We do get a nice triangle of Iowa, Seattle, and Santa Fe, though. Maybe yes. you can hit all three of them. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's the Stamper Triangle. <laughs> the Stamper Triangle. All yes. Right. Uh, Zach, any more email about this episode? 
Yeah, I have uh, one more email and I have a tweet as well. Right. So um, I'll go with the, the tweet is from Keith Dixon and actually it refers to the last episode, but I think it, it still applies. Uh, he said, did you both catch how Frank didn't break the fourth wall a single, a single time on Russian soil? Hmm. He only has that power in the U.S.? Well, so he said that he sent that last night and then I watched this episode and Frank didn't break the fourth wall in this episode. He's not talking to us because he's mad that we were looking at him when he said, what are you looking at? Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe he's mad at us. He's not that mad at us. I mean, does that represent power? Is it he's losing his power? So he's losing his you know, ability to talk to us. I don't know. You're reading too much into that. I don't think it means anything. (laughs) I think it's whenever they think to do it. Like, Oh, we should do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that was intentionally, he didn't break the fourth wall in Russia. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's fine. Um, he's not mad at us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what else? Uh, so I have an email from Brendan Fitzpatrick, uh, and he says, is there a connection between all the religious symbolism so far in this episode? First, the grave. I think he meant in this season. First, the grave in episode one, then the breaking of the Jesus statue, and now Claire and Frank renewing their vows. Mm. Yeah, I think there definitely is religion uh, here. And I wonder maybe if we ever get some uh, Judaism in the mix, considering that we have uh, Israel as such a major player. Uh, in this scene, but we had the stuff in the church and then we have the uh, the Tibetan monks. So I wonder uh, if maybe, but I don't know. I just think that the show is, you know, deals with a lot of issues of like morality. And so I think that it like a natural byproduct of that is talking about religious stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, in the, the calendar of House of Cards, the uh, high holidays are coming up pretty oh, soon. You think we could get a special Rosh Hashanah uh, episode? <laughs> Or a Yom Kippur episode where Frank's fasting the whole uh, the whole episode. I think that'd be great. Yes, I'd be I'd get behind that for sure. Okay, all right. So the next episode that comes up here is going to be episode number thirty four, episode eight. After this, there's only going to be five more shows in the season three. It feels like we just started. Feels like we just started. All right, let's come up with a hashtag here for this episode. What do you got? I got two. What do you got? So the first one I have is Little Spoon Frank. Okay. And the second one I have is hashtag FDR bachelor party. <laughs> Let's see. You- one, one is more about the show. The other is more about this podcast. Uh, what do you, what do you think is more I, apropos? I mean, I, I like FDR bachelor party okay, myself. It. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> it was crazy. It was awesome. Yes. You don't have to tell me stories off air. Off air. I cannot tell them on the air. Too, <laughs> they're too crazy. Man. They're too crazy. Was Tom Hanks there? <laughs> no. Tom Hanks wasn't there, but uh, we did have hypodermic needles and bourbon. Oh, man. Yes. It was crazy. And canes and physical therapists all coming together. This bachelor party had everything. There were (laughs) iPad games. There were were Tibetan monks making sand art. (laughs) There there were black eggs and (laughs) double yolk eggs. Yes. Oh, my God. It's amazing. That's, That's wonderful. It's amazing. All right. So chapter 34 is coming up next. Uh, Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments. Uh, You can go ahead and follow Zach on Twitter. He's at BrooksZA. I'm at Rob Sesternino. Hope to see you in our next chapter of our House of Cards recap. Take care, everybody. Bye.